The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Welcome to our show this beautiful Saturday, August 6th. 2022. Welcome, 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 folks. We've got uh, a packed show as usual for you. Got some great, great guests. Uh, I really want to give a shout out before we start to um, the uh, Republican women in uh, Kenny County, the Republican women in San Angelo, and uh, the folks up in uh, the Take Back America folks up in Longview. Uh, I've been very, very busy this past week traveling. I mean, literally, I have traveled practically the entire length of uh, of Texas from uh, the northeast up in Longview the piney woods all the way down to the deserts in uh, in Kenny County and uh, the high plains in uh, in uh, San Angelo Texas I mean it is I got to see my state in a beautiful beautiful way I I, I love Texas I cannot say mm-hmm. how proud I am of my state and uh, I learned a lot, my friends. I learned a lot. One of the things that really, really is disturbing to me, and I mean really disturbing, is the price of gasoline in uh, the rural areas. Consistently, my friends, consistently in the rural areas where people depend on, uh, on, on, trans- on private transportation on their own trucks. Yes, big gas guzzlers like... Uh, like uh, <coughs> Uh, I mean, just big trucks, 250 trucks at least, um, the, F- the uh, F-250s. Uh, the price of gasoline is consistently much higher than it is in, in, the, in the urban areas where we have buses and Uber and everything else. Uh, you know, I, I can't help, my friends, I cannot help but feel that uh, it is an intentional policy to uh, destroy America's economy uh, under the guise that we're trying to be green. It just is, is, is very, very, it's, it's alarming to me. It's absolutely alarming to me. Well, having said that, let me uh, tell you who our guests are because we need to jump into it real quick. First of all, we've got uh, Bob Bishop, uh, who was on last week. Bob is uh, a gateway pundit journalist, and uh, he's going to be chatting with us again about the impact, yes, the impact of the green policies, of the green socialists on uh, local government here in San Antonio. Uh, what it is that that uh, they uh, how how it is that they're being that influencing us? Uh, we also have Miss Rhonda Marquette, who is the president of the Kenny County Republican Women. She's going to be giving us a uh, a, a quick up view, uh, update rather on what is happening to the ranchers in Kenny County with the illegal immigration crisis. Uh, we also have Randy Clark, my dear buddy Randy Clark, Breitbart news reporter. He's going to be telling us about what the city of San Antonio is doing, having second thoughts about the uh, the illegal migrant center, the migrant center, illegal aliens at the migrant center that are being bussed in by the hundreds. All of a sudden, the city's having second thoughts about it. Uh, you really want to hear about that. Our final guest is Mr. Adam Blanchard, um, CEO at Double Diamond Transportation and Tanger uh, Logistics. Adam is going to give you a sobering view of the trucking industry and the supply chain that is just seems to be collapsing around us. He's not only going to tell you what's going on wrong, he's going to tell you what needs to happen, my friends, and we need to do something now. I mean, we I, I, every time that I go to the, to the store, I am more and more disturbed by the lack of things that are happening. I mean, we are reaching the point that uh, Soviet-style supply economics were. I mean, it really is disturbing. So, folks, thank you for joining us today. Stay tuned. Let's go to our first guest, Mr. Bob Bishop with Gateway Pundit. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio 
And we've got our good friend, Mr. Bob Bishop, who uh, was on last week, my friends. But I got him back on because he's got a wealth of information uh, of uh, investigative uh, reporting that he's been doing. He's gotten uh, some information that uh, folks, particularly in, uh, in San Antonio, as well as other metropolitan areas, would be very, very interested in. Uh, not only uh, is, is he knowledgeable about what is happening uh, at City Hall, but what forces are influencing City Hall. So, um, Bob, welcome to the show again. Uh, tell us, what, uh, what, are you, what have you got for us today? Well, you know, starting out, I want to talk about Sri Lanka, which, if, if many of your uh, listeners aren't aware, it's currently in a deep state of anarchy. Uh, what happened with Sri Lanka is, is that they went through a team to increase what they call the ESG scores, which is uh, environment, uh, social, and government. And what they did is, is they stopped using fertilizers. And Sri Lanka used to be an exporter of food and was self-sufficient. They bankrupted themselves. The president has left the country, and there's major riots in the city. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So in the name of green, of being green, is that what you're telling us? And being socially equitable? equitable they, yes, uh, and what, what it is is about sustainability. And what I'm leading into is, is to San Antonio. So I'd like to give a little background when I was on the city bond committee for the streets. Yeah, how does that relate to us? How does that relate to us? So what happened is, is when I was sitting on the first meeting, they wanted to reduce our uh allotment for failed streets in District 10. Most people may know that District 10 has a lot in common with District 2 as well as as, uh, District 9. So we're an older district in the north side, and they wanted to cut our failed street allotment in half. So then they published right after the meeting the, the equity scores, and I started digging into it and got curious. And I was looking at the chair of the committee. The individual was named John Bailey. Well, it turns out he never introduced himself in his background. It turns out he's appointed by the mayor, and he is a paid influencer. And what I mean by that is, is he works for a nonprofit called the Natural Resource Defense Council. Now, that is a radical environmental group that has over $300 million in assets, and they try to promote the sustainability. So if you go to the website for the city and you look at uh, poking around, you'll find that we have a sustainability committee. And what they're trying to do is is allocate resources. Um, so one of the other things I started doing and digging into was looking into the equity scores. And what they do with the equity scores was originally put together by a group called PolicyLink uh, in an association with the USC Equity Research. And it was funded by the uh, Annenberg Foundation as well, which our mayor used to work for. So I was kind of shocked by that. And a lot of the money that was financed into the deal of the Equity Atlas funneled originally from the Rockefeller Gates and the who's who of, of these large uh, private foundations. So what they're trying to do is, is allocate resources using equity scores. So if, if you uh, use those equity scores, you can realign the resources and distribute them. And, you know, when you look at equity scores, and, and the mayor always talks about equity, equity isn't in the Constitution. It's about equality of the individual, not of organizations. Uh-huh. So it was a major disappointment to go through all that, George. Now, so, I mean, if it's happening in San Antonio, I would imagine it's happening in other s- cities uh, as well. This situation of of redistribution of resources uh i mean you know at, at the heart of socialism and marxism uh do you think this that's that's where this is coming from yeah you know what happens is we're really the test case for the equity scores no one is really doing it to the level that we are and it's a model now one of the things i do need to mention is is that we're also tied in with the un and you can uh your listeners can actually go in and do an internet search and type in the UN and San Antonio, and it turns out that we are part of a, a test case for the UN for sustainability for 2030. And uh, that is another influence in our city. Sadly, I don't think a lot of us in the city have any much input into in how the cities run. Yeah, I mean, that's become very, very evident in the way that they are uh, 
establishing ordinances and and uh, and policies. Uh, you know, it, it, since the times of, of uh, Castro being the mayor, uh, it, it has been very very obvious that whatever they want to do, they're going to do regardless of uh, what the population really really wants. So this situation, uh, how do we remedy it? What do what what needs to happen? Uh, well, you know, a couple of things. One is when we have these elections, we only get twelve to fifteen percent of the people to show up, including the bond mm-hmm. issue. True. And I, I really think if people got engaged, like for example, I go to the Northeast uh, Alliance. Uh, you know, we talk to the councilmen. We try to make differences. We try to get people to come out and vote. And I think if we had more people come out and vote, particularly in the mayor's race, you know, I think that we'd have better outcomes. Now, another thing that that deeply concerns me is is these equity scores. Quite frankly, George, that's a violation of the 14th Amendment of Equal Protection, as well as the uh, First Amendment of the Texas Constitution. It's very clear that you can't be biased. And I think it's biased. Yeah. How so? What? what and, and how do, you, how do you say that? Or why do you well, say that? Well, you know, I, I really think that in the city we need to we need to allocate our resources based on needs. So, for example, if if a, if a section of the city needs a state a street repair and it has high volume, it's a safety issue. Like a good example is out in front of Driscoll uh, Junior High over on Jones Maltzberger. That th- those resources be allocated to that, not based on political whims. And that's the problem we currently have over in front of Driscoll Junior High. We have all these. Uh, parents, as well as over at the charter school, lining up in the afternoon to park. It's a high uh, visibility, high uh, volume corridor, and the city ignores it because of low equity scores. Now, uh, it, it, would you classify this as another form of uh, of redistribution of wealth? I mean, even though even though there is, you know, there may no, may be greater need in District Ten than in district three district three because it's minority and low income gets an equal amount am i correct well actually what they want to do is they would get more and uh you know the the, the funny thing of it is their whole policy is discriminatory because we've got the second largest black population in district 10 how does that work yeah exactly it does well and again again it's uh it's a flawed approach to redistribution of wealth uh, or the whole idea of redistribution of wealth is flawed within itself. So uh, again, what, what do you think we need to do? Well, I, I, I think voting, I think people need to be more active in these neighborhood alliances. They need to reach out to their councilmen and let them know. I often email them all of the council about my issues and complaints and uh, I think that that makes a big difference, letting them know that there's a pushback and there are people that are following what's going on in the city. Correct. You know, it would probably be very good for me to uh, start taking uh, your, your, your uh, uh, letters or your emails and, uh, and uh, passing them on to our uh, listeners in some form or fashion. Yeah, we, we could do that. One other thing, if we've got time, I want to touch real quickly on is the International Council for Local Environment Initiatives. Talk to they us about it, that. Talk to us about that. Okay, it's 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 referred to as ICLE. They rebranded. It was founded originally with the UN, and they promote Agenda 21, which is now Agenda 2030. And what they want to do is if they want to go vertical in cities, they want to have uh, biodiversity, which means that we all live in a stacked community, which would ultimately be like slums if you think about it <laughs> no more private they, property huh yeah and that's part of all this and and we are part of ICLE. it's it's in the website for the city and uh, i think people need to be aware of that so there's there's a number of organizations that i've laid out there's probably more that directly influence our city council and city manager and they do yes very very true so, uh, Bob, tell folks how they can follow you because, I mean, uh, you're a wealth of information. Okay. I, I go by my two social media contacts is LinkedIn as well as Twitter. I go by Bob Bishop. You just do a search. I publish a lot of my exposés and uh, findings, and it, I, typically I, I target nonprofits on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So they can reach me there, and uh, I've got a number of uh, essays that I've posted on the city on LinkedIn. You got it. 
and uh, we will uh, get you on again because, I mean, we need, you know, we really need to keep people informed about local tyranny. And, Absolutely. Uh, and this is what's happening. This is local tyranny at its best. Correct. Once again, my friends, we want to thank Bob Bishop for being on our show. Bob, uh, we'll get you on again sometime real soon. Okay. Look forward to it, George. Take care. Great. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, Miss Rhonda Marquardt, who is the president of the Republican Women of Kenny County. Kenny County is the county, kind of like an epicenter, we might say, uh, on the western side of the uh, of, of the state of the border, uh, where uh, they are experiencing a huge tsunami of illegal immigration uh, and drugs as well. But um, they are they have been suffering through this for uh, a couple of years now, and uh, it's only gotten worse. So, Rhonda, welcome to the show. Um, tell us. Thank you for having me. Oh, I, I'm. Thank you for taking time. Uh, first of all, tell us. Tell us what. Uh, give us an update of what is going on with illegal immigration in your area, uh, and uh, any stories of how uh, you guys are suffering about this. Yes. Um, well, right now, I would say we're at the high point, and it just seems to be that you think, well, this can't get any worse, and then it does, and so. Um, I have a friend, and she sends me pictures every morning. She is in, I would consider her the hottest zone. And so we started our morning, me praying for her, her sending me what's going on right now when I went out my back door. And uh, it just seems like it's worse every day. I, I, I don't know that it, it could be worse, but it keeps getting worse. So now, that's kind of what's going on down here. We've heard about the damage to property. Uh, what is yes. what is that? What 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 uh, kind of damage are you seeing, or have you seen? Okay, um, for us, it's it's fence repair and trash, and that's about all that we get right here. We are not my ranch is not on a major route, but I have friends who are, and so for us, you know, like this week, um, some went to the bathroom and left the toilet paper and all that out there. So you need to pick it up. You're fearful to pick it up. You don't know if you should pick it up. You don't know what to do with it. And because of the drought situation, you can't burn it where it's at, right? So uh, that kind of stuff is for us. And, and just driving around, repairing our fences, looking at that every you know day. We try to go around and look for sign. And so that's, that's, that's a major difference for our ranch. But we, are, we, we consider ourselves lucky that we live where we live, and not, but not some of our friends. We have heard that there, you know, we've heard of some ranchers that are having to repair their fencing almost daily, and that becomes that becomes expensive, doesn't it? Yes, um, yeah, and most of us are. I'm gonna be honest with you right now is most of us are just like you know what, patch it with whatever because by tomorrow you're going to be doing something else, and you you know you you're getting a little frustrated because you're going, why bother? You know, why bother? But but yet, you're responsible for your animals and keeping them in. Right. What so, about... It's, it's a catch-22 on that because it doesn't do you any good to fix it. And so, but yet, you're responsible for your animals. What about the, uh, yeah, what about the situation with livestock? Yes, because uh, I know that some people in Kenny County um, have uh, exotic livestock, which is expensive. Um. Yes, and, and we have those. Uh, our, ours are free-ranging because we're low-fenced. But when you're high-fenced and you've bought them and that's your livelihood, uh, yeah, they're going to get out and you're going to lose them. Uh, so they will. there will be a, a huge loss on that, and the hunters are a huge loss. Some are coming, some are not. Um, and I just think it depends on who they are and what their mentality is and, and uh, you know, how they've felt when they were out here yeah i would imagine the safety the safety is the issue yes. and, and then as a rancher you worry about their safety so for us i'm going to tell you george for us it is such a mental thing for us the physical okay i can ride around i can fix my fence you know i 
I can get over that. I, do I touch the trash or not touch the trash? Eventually, you just you got to touch it, you know, with you know, with shovel or something. But you can't leave it. But the mental aspect of this over such a long period of time—that that's where, to me, we're hurting. Be- especially those who've been on route for so long. <sighs> the help's not coming, e- even though the help is here. It's just getting worse, and, and I'm not degrading any help that we've got because I can't even imagine it without the help. Yeah. Uh, Do you feel the mental, the loss of peace, right. safety, the mental strain is unreal. Do you feel abandoned by the federal government? Oh my goodness, yes. I blame it all on them. Yes, absolutely. Right. I mean, you know, the the fact of the matter is that, you know, I mean, they're supposed to protect the border and... Obviously, they're not. No, and, and I, I don't, I don't know. I say all the time. I tell people all the time. I, I don't know how we get it back. Like, how do you, how do you stop this when they're coming across everywhere? And I, I other than God stopping this, I, I don't know that our government could ever stop this. Now that this floodgate is opened uh, everywhere, it's everywhere. Right. So. It's not just the bridges. You know, yeah, we can stop the bridges, but that's not yeah, they're that's coming, not what it is. They're crossing the river <laughs> where they can Everywhere. where they can walk across it. Yes. <laughs> what about what about the issue of the um of the drugs and uh, the bad guys? I mean, uh have these I mean in, in in the olden days I remember my grandparents used to talk about the humble mojado, the humble wetback. Uh, oh yes. You know, that used to come I, yes. across to work. What are these folks like? Well, if you offered them a job, they won't take it. Not interested in doing that kind of labor. Um, and and I, I grew up on a farm in Atascosa County, and so I know exactly the person you're talking about, and and totally a different person. And uh, a few years back, we were told, "Who's coming from you through you? It's not good people. They're not they're not the same, and they aren't the same. And that who's coming through us." is not what anything with what I grew up with. Nothing like them. So that's that's where ours are. That's incredible. Let me, let me ask you this final question. The uh, issue of local government and state government doing their part since the federal government is not, do you feel like, um, you know, they, they are trying to do the best they can because a lot of people are very very critical that nothing's being done. Well, I mean, maybe nothing from the state, from the federal. But do you feel? How do you feel about the the local and 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 state governments? Um, I, as far as the state right now, I think their eyes are opened. It took us a while to get their eyes open. Um, I felt like we were screaming, at, but the state, I feel like is is we're all in unprecedented territory. This is so abnormal. Uh, and so we're trying to think outside the box, especially my little county. And and what can we do? What can we do? And so because it's never been done before, you know, we're just trying to do whatever we can come up with that might help because the federal government isn't going to help. Right. They won't even come here. They, they're not going to come here. Now, are the women, you know, the, the Republican women that you lead um, – do they, most of them have the same type of, uh, of stories to tell and, and uh, feel, you know, uh, a loss of peace? Absolutely. And um, a year and a half ago, we made the decision we were going to tell our stories and tell them wherever anybody would listen. And so many of them from our club and the ranches around here, even people who aren't in our club, we've been on, I think, every major news source that would tell our story. True. And then you take our, our our judge, our district attorney, and our sheriff, and we've been screaming. <laughs> and I laugh every time I talk to somebody who's not down here, and they say, is it really as sad? And I, my answer, it's worse. It is. It's worse. Y'all think it's over. It's not over. Well, it's, it's worse. Become, I mean, the sad thing about it is that I think that the, the, the news media has made it normal now to have an illegal immigration and a border crisis. Yes. And that's what's sad. It's a, and it unfortunately, George, I'm going to have to say this too. It's our new normal. Yeah. And you have to establish that mentality to make it. 
right? You have to say, okay, well, this is our new normal. Help is not coming. And the number of ranchers aren't going to talk to anybody anymore. They're done because it has, this is their answer. It has not helped. It hasn't. It hasn't. I can understand that. Rhonda, thank you very, very much. We're very concerned about the new ban on assault weapons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How so? How does that affect? Well, we're the front line on the border of our country. And you, you take weapons away from us down here, there's nothing to stop thousands from coming through your house, your property, and taking all you have. Yeah, because the other side is is, is armed. <laughs> yes, they are. They are. They are. I mean, people yes. don't understand how well-armed the cartels are across the border. Boy. Yes. Yes. Rhonda, thank you yeah. very, very much for taking time to be with us, folks. Absolutely. We've been talking... Thank you for what you do. Oh, we've been talking with Rhonda Marqua. And she uh, is president of the Kinney County Republican Women. Stay safe, and we'll get you back on the show so we can talk some more. Absolutely. Thank you. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, and we've got our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark, from Breitbart. He's a reporter for Breitbart down here on the border, and uh, he's got some very interesting news. Now, let, before I turn, him, turn it over to him, let me give you some background. The city of San Antonio opened, about three weeks ago, opened a migrant center here in San Antonio. The idea was to help process... Uh, illegal aliens that had crossed the border so that they could help them on their trip to other parts of the of the nation. Um, I guess they did not uh, plan properly because now, well, I'll let Randy tell us about it. Randy, welcome to the show. Tell us about what's going on. Well, George, it's a very interesting tussle going on right now between the city of San Antonio and the border communities and also uh, the Border Patrol. Uh, I think when the city of San Antonio opened their migrant shelter, they weren't accounting for, you know, a, a significant portion of the migrants that are released on the border, not only just the quantity to be overwhelming, but I don't think they anticipated that some of them would be indigent and incapable of leaving the, the city without travel funds. <laughs> and that's what they're finding. Uh, their double capacity right now, their capacity is 600. As of a week ago, they were over 1,200. So the city's more than willing to take in migrants released on the border that have a six-hour window of departure. They're willing to allow them at the airport, allow them at the bus terminals. But what the city doesn't want is they don't want these folks coming in without funds to immediately leave the city. So it's kind of ironic. It's almost hypocritical for you know a, a progressive city council that supports open borders all of a sudden to, to turn tail and say, just like Washington, D.C. and New York City, hey, it's fine and dandy until people start seeing what this really looks like in real life. So I know the residents of San Antonio around that shelter, they're frustrated. You know, it's very, very interesting because a month ago, I mean, a month ago, before they even opened this this uh, migrant center, I had run into three Guatemalan gentlemen, uh, three Guatemalan men, uh, mid-40s, uh, who are living, who are homeless, who are living in a uh, uh, a park, a large park area here in uh, near my house. And uh, they're very, very happy. They're, you know, I mean, they're, they feel safe. They feel that they can uh, get adequate food and they've got adequate shelter living out there in the, in the woods. Uh, I, you know, it, it was like we could see it coming. I don't understand why the, um, why these folks didn't see it coming. I mean, they don't, don't they understand that a good number of these people are indigent and just don't have any place to go? Uh, apparently not. You know, it, at least I think the the mayor of D.C. and the and the mayor of New York uh, had the gumption to come out behind a podium and talk about how this problem is impacting. Them. And in the case of D.C., you know, four thousand migrants uh, that they were dealing with was overwhelming a city of uh, of that magnitude. Uh, well, what are these border cities going through? So I think when you hypothetically support an open border, but you don't have to look at it. You don't have to deal with the logistics. San Antonio has only gotten a taste 
of what our border cities are going through. I mean, we have groups in Eagle Pass that are coming on a daily basis of up to 500 at a time. Women, children, mostly single adult males and females, but still a lot of children and a lot of family units that are mixed up in there. And these folks have needs. They're coming during the hottest period of time during the year, uh, ambulances and fire departments from all these small communities, which we only have one hospital in, in Eagle Pass. So if San Antonio is already tapping out saying, you have to, we're going to bust, I mean, the threat was we are going to bust them back to the border. Well, you're not going to do that because these people are free once the Border Patrol releases them. You're only going to do that if you force them on a bus. And there were a lot of accusations about the buses to, to Washington, D.C. that Governor Greg Abbott was sending, that these people were tricked or forced. And that's that's an absolute fallacy. I've interviewed them at the shelter before the bus departs to Washington, D.C. I, I broadcast and put those on to Breitbart where these folks saying, yeah, I know where I'm going. I need to get to the East Coast. This is the quickest mode of tra- transportation, and I'm on the bus. So they knew well that they were going to Washington, D.C., Uh San Antonio is the largest hub closest to Laredo and Del Rio. We just don't have the bus terminal that San Antonio has, and we certainly don't have an international airport. But there are going to be some that do not have the funds to depart that city, and I think that's what the city is struggling with. But I think they want the federal government so that it's collectively funded by the entire nation. But somebody's still footing the bill. Correct. Um, we have, uh, I, I have been doing interviews of folks at the center, and you're right. A vast majority, the vast majority, are from uh, Venezuela, and they uh, they are uh, some are our family units. Most are, are single men. But uh, what we are finding is that those that cannot leave, that are not leaving, almost you know within two or three days, on to another destination. For some reason, they are being shipped downtown to a park downtown, and I am not sure what that's all about, other than they're. That used to be a homeless uh, area, an area for uh, servicing the homeless. So, uh, you know, don't we have enough domestic homeless without importing more? (laughs) Well, that's a great point. I mean, we know we've got homeless veterans that have served this nation. We know that they need care. Uh, We know we have our own homeless here. We also can't forget that this nation has nearly 40 million people living below the poverty line that are legally here, that are of every national, I mean, of every color and creed, race and religion, uh, that are U.S. citizens and residents here legally. Uh, And we're not doing anything to take care of them. What we're doing is we're importing more. And I think America will be astonished when they figure out the financial impact of how much the government is spending each and every day. If they're not giving it directly to Central America for addressing root causes that are not getting addressed, that have never gotten addressed by those politicians down there, it's just money to feed their corrupt politicians. Uh, We're giving that money away when we know we have a struggling economy, high prices. What did we expect? We we imported uh, the world's poor. We invited them here. Joe Biden invited. They heeded his, his invitation, and they're here now, and they're not slowing down. So I think communities, one by one, are going to be realizing what the impact of this is when you can't provide for these folks without significantly impacting services to the residents that vote and that pay taxes in that area. Well, the other, the other aspect of it is uh, not only uh, are we gaining more homeless here in San Antonio, uh, more homeless uh, courtesy of the illegal immigration, but what about the crime? I mean, some of these folks, they're going to get desperate. They're going to, uh, or they are professionals. I mean, either way. So uh, isn't crime going to also get impacted by this? Well, well, I think with, with any demographic, including ourselves, uh, idle hands are the devil's hands. If there is not work to support and sustain these folks and their families are hungry, you bet they're going to do whatever it takes to feed their families and to care for them. We know that. Border Patrol is capable of running criminal record checks, but those are extremely limited to what's placed into national databases. They cannot take a deep dive into folks from all over the world and figure out what their crimes were there. They're taking a best-case guess. Their systems are overwhelmed. I think just last week in in a press conference, the White House press secretary said, well, these Republican governors – they're, they're making a mockery of the immigration. They're breaking this system. Well, this system doesn't exist. It's broke. It's, it's broken. It, it, 
this letter is perfect example of how closer to the border it's broken. San Antonio can't handle the flow, and neither can Eagle Pass and Del Rio and Laredo and, and the Rio Grande Valley. They're just getting by. That's the best they can do is get by. But the Border Patrol has stopped their systems that are placing these folks in asylum proceedings. They are still paroling hundreds and hundreds each and every week that are not placed into a system. They just need them gone because their their facilities are overcrowded. We have a facility here in Eagle Pass with a capacity of 1,000. It's routinely over 2,000. They cannot meter these folks at San Antonio's whim. And that's what this tussle between the city, CVP, and these local shelters are, is, hey, don't bring them here. If you do, we'll take them and release them on the streets of Del Rio. That's the correspondence that went back and forth, and that tells you the level of frustration when you see and deal with the problem firsthand. That, you know, that is shameful. That is outrageous. And... Um... You know, we've got to lay it at the hands of, of Biden and and, uh, and, and the, the liberals and the Democrats. I mean, there, there's just no two ways around that. I think you're absolutely right. They dismantled a working system, one of the best deterrent systems for fraudulent claims. We know a very small percentage of these folks will qualify for asylum. 8,000 in 2021 were granted a positive asylum uh, adjudication. Well, that tells you that the majority did not show up. And what did show up was 70% did not qualify. Yep. So we know that this is, is just a loophole, and we know that ICE has been pretty much not defunded, but through policy has been abolished. There is no one looking for someone in an illegal status anywhere across the country. Yeah, I mean, I've interviewed several. I've interviewed about 20 people, and none of them, none of them qualify for asylum, although all of them are claiming asylum. None of them. They're all economic refugees. Yeah. Well, and like I say, most of them have not been issued a notice to appear. They've been paroled in, so they're not even in the system that's already overwhelmed with that, without enough judges to hear these cases. So without the remain in Mexico, without these agreements that were negotiated under the previous administration to return these people immediately and discourage more that do not qualify from coming, it is astonishing, and it's, it's actually shameful. Yeah. Buddy, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us again, as usual, this morning. Um, tell the folks where they can follow you. You can follow me at uh, Breitbart News under our Cartel Chronicles webpage. You can also follow me at Randy Clark BBTX on Twitter. At Randy Clark BBTX on Twitter. You got it. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with our good friend uh, Randy Clark from Breitbart, reporter from Breitbart. You take care, my man, and we'll be we'll be chatting with you again soon. Thank you, George. Have a wonderful day. You too. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got our good friend, uh, Mr. Adam Blanchard, who is CEO of um, Double Diamond Transportation and Tanager Logistics. Adam has been on before to talk to us about the supply chain. And Adam, let me tell you, let me give you a quick little story before I, I ask you to give us an update. Because uh, recently my truck had a problem, <clears throat> took it in, and it was supposed to be a minor, uh, a minor uh, piece or, or, or a thing that they had to put in. However, it took 10 days because of the supply chain. Uh, now... Uh, according to uh, according to President Biden, uh, we're not in a recession and the supply chain is functioning. Give us an update. Give us your thoughts. Well, uh, George, thanks for having me on again. And I'm happy to be here with you and your listeners. And I've got to say to your to, to your question, George, that could not be further from the truth. Um, I don't know if they're just turning a blind eye or, or, or they just don't know or they're just trying to convince people of, of the fact that this is all occurring. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, inflation's out of control. Our supply chain is, is still broken. And, and this, these issues are going to continue to persist. And, and I'll tell you, as, as an update, George, to you and your listeners, uh, recently the uh, U.S. Supreme Court did not take up our challenge to AB5, uh, Assembly Bill 5, which was uh, a bill that was passed in California several years ago, has been in the federal court system. Uh, and, and what that bill does, George, is it essentially eliminates the independent contractor model in trucking. 
which is foundational. I mean, as you know, and your listeners know, I mean, these supply chain issues that we're having right now is a product in a large part due to our driver shortage. And, it, you know, the, the way it works with these drivers, you start as a company driver, and it, it's really the American dream. You can move up. You can then own your own truck. Uh, you know, instead of making fifty dollars to $100,000 a year, you make $150,000 a year. Start your own business, and then you're an independent contractor, and you lease on to fleets like mine. Um, we have a lot of these independent contractors in our fleet uh, that don't own just one truck. They own multiple trucks and have their own employees. And, and essentially what's happened in California uh, is is that state, as, as we all know, is doing, I think, everything they can to destroy not only their own economy, but really uh, destroy the supply chain. And by eliminating the independent contractor model, we are going to see a huge, huge amount of congestion, I believe, in the near future at the ports uh, in California. I mean, we already know about the backlog of these containers in these ports, but these drivers that go in and out of the ports, by and large, to pick up the containers and take them to the end delivery or to the warehouses to then get re-delivered out on dry vans like mine, my fleet has, um, those are almost all independent contractors. And what really happened, just so you and your listeners know, is that this is all a derivative of the unions. The unions years ago wanted to, to have these drivers in the ports be a part of their unions. The problem is an independent contractor can't be uh, a member of a union. And so the unions then went and, and got legislation passed in California to, to eliminate that. Uh, and so here we sit. I mean, I know that you and your listeners have recently seen the, the strikes and the block, the uh, truck drivers blocking the uh, entry to the port of Oakland. I mean, this is something that is bad for our industry. It's bad for the middle class. It's bad for the American dream. And uh, I think as we're going to see as a result, George, we're going to see it happen. Obviously, it's happening in California, but we're going to start seeing it uh, percolate up the West Coast and in the Northeast. And I think that we're going to see a lot of continued problems at the ports uh, going forward. And so it's just imperative that we continue to, to keep our economy strong here in Texas. We we need strong leadership, uh, business owners in office like Donald Trump and others that, that have some sense about them to help us continue to grow our economy, provide prosperity for those that are out there and, and afford people live the American dream. And so we're, we're going to, I guess, have to take this up to the state level in California and start fighting state by state. So let me make sure that I understand this. If we get rid of the independent contractors, then does that leave only the large company, uh, trucking companies uh, to uh, uh, run things? Well, the short answer is yes. Uh, You know, the the government wants their payroll taxes, even though these guys pay it. Um, You know, it's the government and these unions that have imposed this. And so what we're going to see in California, George, I think is two things. Uh, First, you're going to see a situation where only the really the large fleets can survive and they're all going to have to be W-2 employees, um, which is going to have a downward impact on the amount of money they can earn. And and the second thing is you're going to see a lot of these owner operators out there that own their own rigs. They're just going to sell them and they're going to they're just going to shut their operations down. And and that's really what we've seen over time is this is a tough business, George. And you know, we live on a three to five percent profit margin. And so uh, you, you almost come to a point when things like this happen where you say, look, it's not worth it. I'm going to go do something else. And when you've got a driver shortage of 80,000 drivers, I mean, this is a point in time that we can least afford to lose drivers and independent contractors. So it, it's a shift away from the middle class. It's a shift away from small businesses to large corporations. Uh, it's Biden's administration by his own um, you know, admission is he's going to be the strongest uh, advocate for unions throughout the country, and he's he's proven it now. And so we're going to see, I think, people shut their doors, and we're going to see a situation where small fleets like mine, I mean, we run 75 trucks, you just you can't make it anymore. And so I think we're going to continue to see these issues in the supply chain persist. So if, if that happens, then obviously we're going to have smaller, we're going to have fewer trucks on the road. Now, uh, that not only plays into the environmental issue of, you know, less pollution but um you know tell us a little bit more about people uh, uh why why do you think there's it's such so difficult so difficult for people to um for, for to find truckers to find employees well the, the main issue we have okay is that you have to be 21 years old to cross state lines you know something i talked to you and your listeners uh, about yes, previously that's true. Yes. and so but between the fact that you've got to be 21 years old to cross state lines, that's a huge inhibiting factor for our ability to recruit drivers because these students coming out of high school, by the time they're 21, 
they've already found a skilled trade. And so we have a huge shortage of, of new entrants into our industry. I think the average age of drivers is around 58 right now. So, I mean, retirement and, and everything else, these these folks are just, we have more people leaving than coming in. And then when you eliminate the independent contractor model, then you're going to have a whole nother uh, group of drivers in our industry that are that are likely going to leave or they're going to get shut down. And so this 80,000 driver shortage now, I think, is going to, and I, I know the projections right now over the next three to five years, we're going to see around 150,000 driver shortage. And, and things like this, where you have so many goods that are manufactured overseas coming into the port of, of Long Beach and Oakland and in all those ports in California, if you don't have drivers to, to pull those containers in and out of the ports, then we're just going to continue to see backlogs on, on a lot of the uh, goods that we buy every day from the car parts you talked about to, to food and medicine. So I I don't know what we're going to do, George. My, my hope is we're going to see more manufacturing come back to North America. You know, our trade relationship with Mexico uh, is strong, and hopefully we'll see a, a transition away from China and, and back to more manufacturing in the United States and Mexico and Canada because the USMCA is, is going to hold true. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to, to see over the next few years. So, you know, um, what can can we do? What can the public do right now to help the trucking industry from your perspective? What's the best thing that we could do? Well, I, I would love to ask you and your listeners to, to help us get some legislation passed that would allow independent contractors throughout the country. But uh, unfortunately, with the current presidential administration, I yeah. think that uh, there, there's no chance of that happening. So I'll be back on later. Uh, asking you guys to make some phone calls on that. But, uh, you know, if you have listeners out in California, George, uh, look, we're going to have to take this up with the uh, California Trucking Association at the state level, try to get overturned. Um, so if you've got listeners out there, please be apprised of, of future legislation that the Trucking Association is attempting to pass to overturn AB5. And, and the second thing your listeners can do now is we have legislation in Washington, the Drive Safe Act, uh, that would afford us to have those 18 to 21 year uh, come into the industry and drive. Uh, that legislation includes uh, a, a bunch of training for these drivers, uh, put them in vehicles with all the safety technology out there, be a mentor in the cab. But if, if your your listeners out there can reach out to their uh, your uh, elected officials up in Washington, whether it's their Congress members or, or U.S. Senators, but ask them to support the Drive Safe Act. We've got to get that passed because we've got to start a pipeline of new recruits into our industry or, or we're going to have a lot of trouble getting the goods we use every day from milk to medicine to to building materials. Uh, and, and I think we're going to see the cost of everything go up too, George, because if there's a shortage of trucks, it's going to cost more to transport all the goods that we buy. So inflation is going to continue to persist. That's true. That's true. And and, and uh, here at the, we've only got a, a couple of minutes more. Um, do you think that there is a culture right now where uh, being a trucker is somehow uh, viewed as being uh, less than uh, it, it, it should be? Yeah, I, yes, I do. I mean, it, it, but that's not a reflection of the pay. I mean, the median salary no, of truck driver now is $54,000. Walmart's paying their drivers $110,000. The, the reason I think there's such a negative public perception on trucks and truck drivers is this lawsuit abuse environment we're in. I mean, we every other billboard in Texas, George, you and I see it, is have you been hit by a big truck? I mean, Thomas <laughs> oh, yes. J. Henry's and the 444s are, are making us out to be this, this evil industry that are out there hurting people on the roads, which couldn't be further from the truth. And so, you know, we fought hard with the Texas Trucking Association and Texans for Lawsuit Reform to get tort reform passed last session in Austin. But we need help at the federal level. Uh, we need to be able to try these cases in federal court. We've got to get these trial lawyers at bay or, or we're going to continue to see, a, I think, a negative public image for the industry, which is what moves America forward, George. So it's a very frustrating thing, but we're going to keep, keep the fight up and we would sure appreciate the support of all your listeners out there. You got it. Folks, we've been speaking to uh, our good friend, Mr. Adam Blanchard, uh, with uh, uh, with the trucking, with the transportation industry. He's uh, both a, an owner as well as uh, uh, an advocate. And uh, again, folks, I mean, if if it if you use it, it comes on a truck. And uh, if we're not uh, careful, we're not going to have any trucks, and then by definition, we're not going to have anything. Adam, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us. We'll get you back on sometime real soon to give us an update and and uh, tell us how we can help 
uh, well, help ourselves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on, George, and thanks for your listeners. It's, it's always a pleasure to be on with you, and I look forward to talking to you and your listeners again soon. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Folks, once again, thank you very much for joining us this uh, Saturday, August 6th. Thank you very much for the support that we get. Thank you very, very much for inviting me to come speak. I really appreciate all the work that you're doing, my friends. We have got to continue telling our stories. When I spoke to the uh, Kenny County Republican women the other night, uh, I was telling them to please not give up. Don't surrender. Do not stop talking. Do not. Too many of us have quit uh, trying to tell our story, have quit uh, talking to the media because they the media doesn't listen. My friends, we cannot stop talking. We cannot stop telling our story. We have got to do it both on social media, within our uh, circles, but we've also got to continue talking out in public. We cannot, we cannot surrender to the, to the left and leave the playing field uh, of, of public media just to them. So, my friends, thank you once again for joining us. Thank you for being to, with us today. I want to thank our, our guests, Mr. Bob Bishop with Gateway Pundit. Uh, I want to thank Rhonda Marquette for, uh, uh, with the Kenny County Republican women talking to us about the terrible things that they are still having to endure, uh, that they are enduring uh, on the front lines of the border crisis, my friends. Uh, I want to thank Randy Clark. I mean, he's he is great. I, I really love the um, the uh, information that he brought us, the news item regarding the city of San Antonio having second thoughts uh, about uh, inviting illegal aliens into their into their community. I mean, uh, they were so gung ho, or they are publicly so gung ho when it comes to. Uh, to sanctuaries, and now all of a sudden they're having second thoughts. And I want to thank Mr. Adam Blanchard, CEO at Double Diamond Transportation, for his uh, insight on the supply chain and the trucking industry. Once again, my friends, thank you for being with us. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Till next time. (music) 